0: Welcome to the Yahoo Finance podcast. Thanks so much for listening. And of course, don't forget to subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts so you don't miss one single episode. Today, I'm here with Nicole Sinclair, our markets reporter at Yahoo Finance, and we are going to be talking about two of the most interesting, famous, smart minds in finance and economics. They are Robert Schiller And Jeremy Siegel. Nicole got a chance to interview both of them and not just interview them separately but together in the same place. Nicole how did you get this to happen?
1: This was truly a a once-in-a-lifetime or once-in-a-long-time opportunity. Robert Schiller and Jeremy Siegel happened to be in New York to attend a Broadway show together. They were here to see Dear Evan Hansen with their wives. And it's notable because they are foes when it comes to their view on the market. But they are really good friends. They were excited to have lunch and see a Broadway show together.
0: So had you been trying to book them separately or together? Like they said, we're in New York. How did it all come about? Yeah. So
1: I did email... Uh, both of them separately to see if they could come in. And Sam Rowe, our managing editor, said, wouldn't it be fun if we had them together? And I thought I'd try. And it just so happened that they had social plans already. So it worked out well. We're based right here in Times Square, quite convenient to Broadway shows. Uh, And it worked out for them to have a little back and forth before they sat down for lunch.
0: Were they seeing the matinee, the evening? Matinee. Matinee. Yes. Okay, they're both older gentlemen, I guess. The yes, Robert Schiller was
1: heading back to to New Haven. He's based at Yale. And Jeremy Siegel back to Pennsylvania. He's based at UPenn. So it was an earlier evening. Though I think they had dinner plans after, too. So not a short day. So uh, <laughs> people
0: know both of these uh, gentlemen. Yes. Uh, Robert Schiller has won a Nobel prize. Jeremy Siegel, a noted bull. You see him on
1: TV all the time. Yeah. How do they know each other? They went to MIT together and their friendship is about to hit 50 years. Wow. Uh, They're going to be celebrating their 50 year friendship anniversary in September. Um, But interesting that they went to school together, formed very divergent views of the markets in the years following um, but they've maintained that friendship and they've said that they've learned a lot from one another and they actually think alike. That was something that they mm. said in our conversation. So they think similarly, but come to very different conclusions and they learn from one another. And they joked that friendship's not only about your view of the market. There's more to friendship than that. So oh, that's good. that was that was a nice it's moment probably as well. probably why it
0: last, has lasted <laughs> yeah. this long, I guess, that they're talking about other things as well. And before we get into their opinions... Um, I'm just curious. It sounds like they, you know, were friends and we learned from each other. Was there any little bit of like competitiveness or jealousy (laughs) just
1: because, I don't know, I mean, Schiller won like this (laughs) huge prize. Did you get any sense of that? You know, it's actually funny. When we were getting on the elevators at Yahoo Finance, you have to choose your elevator ahead of time. It's quite a complicated system.
0: It's very annoying.
1: And Jeremy Siegel did say, you have to have a Nobel Prize to understand the elevators here. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, that got a laugh out of Robert Schiller, or Bob, as we call him in our conversation. Um, so I do th- I do think, though, they have a lot of respect for one another. Um, they read one another's work. They talk to one another all the time. And uh, it's a good lesson for all of us, always paying attention to uh, different views in order to help elevate your own opinion and position. OK, so let's get into what you actually talked about with them.
0: Yeah, and. I think Jeremy Siegel, I think in my head bull, and I think Robert Schiller. And I'm not thinking bear, but I'm thinking
1: somebody more cautious. Mm-hmm. Fair? You know, great question, and I asked them that. They said not only are they pegged as bull and bear, but they're pegged as perma-bull and perma-bear. Uh, that's not necessarily fair. Actually, Jeremy Siegel put out a note right before the crisis warning that valuations were in dangerous territory. And he was right. Uh, Robert Schiller, similarly, even though he has, uh, you know, warned about the market, uh, doesn't think we're necessarily going to keep to stop going up at this moment. So it's a bit more nuanced. But certainly, as our conversation unfolded, uh, Bob Schiller was much more cautious and Jeremy Siegel, much more optimistic about what remains ahead of the market. Of course, even amidst this geopolitical turbulence, we continue to flirt with all-time highs here almost 10 years post the recession. An interesting time to talk to both of these about what the market holds in the years ahead or even in the months ahead.
0: (laughs) And talking about these all-time highs, you got to uh, talk to uh, them and Siegel in particular commenting on Dow 24,000. So let's listen to this exchange.
1: Jeremy, I'll start with you. You recently upped your call for the Dow to hit 24000 What will it take to get there?
2: Well, uh, you know, that, I, I, think if, I think it will take uh, corporate tax reform. Hmm. Uh, t- 24000 is another, what, 9% on the Dow? We just, you know, crossed 22%. So uh, I, I think that th- that will take it. I mean, you know, the, the, the market is, and we're going to talk about that, it is, high relative to history. Um, I don't think it's high relative to fundamentals. So uh, I think with corporate tax reform, we, we still have some legs to the, uh, the rally that we have seen since November.
1: Okay. So a conditional 24K, Bob, with markets hitting fresh new highs almost every day, mm-hmm. you say we're in dangerous territory. Yeah. Explain what you mean by that.
3: Well, first of all, I give a probability of maybe a third that Jeremy is
1: right. <laughs> I he gave you a third. That's generous, Jeremy. <laughs> huh? yeah,
2: that is higher than I thought Bob <laughs> would <with> give, <him>, actually.
0: <laughs> so what exactly, I mean, what does Bob Schiller think is going to happen to the market?
1: Well, he said that he is not a predictor in that it's, a, it's difficult to time the market exactly, and they both acknowledge that, but he does recognize that valuation levels right now when you look over the business cycle the last 10 years are elevated and he warns that this could lead to a correction which by the way could lead to a recession. Oftentimes corrections uh, influence confidence and that can lead to a recession and you know while there have been times where that hasn't been the case as Jeremy Siegel pointed out it's a worry. Um, He is particularly concerned about uh, just the overall levels of the stock market right now and and advises caution. Um, While Jeremy Siegel says, yes, we've gone up a lot, but we have more to go. Fundamentals are strong. Earnings were depressed in 08-09, messing up what uh, Robert Schiller calls his CAPE ratio, which are earnings over that 10-year period. Uh, So, you know, very, very different intellectual arguments uh, and both worth paying attention to. Of course, as they both acknowledged, you make money riding that wall of worry. So even if valuations are high, it doesn't mean there's not money to be made. Do um, either of them talk about their own investments? Have you ever asked them about that? That's that would have been a good question, Jen. <laughs> I'm just curious. I
0: you know, I, I usually all of these people they'd be like, "I'm just yeah. in the S&P 500." I mean, yeah. they're like usually pretty
1: simple, yeah. but just well, curious. You know, it's interesting. Jeremy Siegel did say that oftentimes he's pressed to make a call on the next 3 months or something specific. And I do think both of them are very oriented on long-term returns. Uh Robert Schiller talked about asset prices being very high right now across many asset classes, including stocks, including bonds, including housing. Uh, Of course, he's been looking very much at housing. He's one of... The uh, people behind the Case-Shiller index and housing prices have come back. But they're really looking at business cycles, long-term investments.
0: The other person behind that is my economics oh. professor from Wellesley, Carl wow. Case. Chip Case, who sadly died recently. Oh. But he uh, was a great guy. Yeah, Case-Shiller. Love that. Yeah. Uh, so market volatility. This has kind of been the summer of, for the most part, not a lot happening, 15 days in a row recently where uh, we didn't see the S&P move more than 0.3%, you know, going back to May basically to get a big day where we had movement.
1: What do they think about the, the volatility issues? Well, not surprisingly, Bob Schiller said immediately that there is a risk that the tranquility is interpreted as safety. Basically, volatility is low until it isn't. Um, and he pointed out that, um, you know, oftentimes everything will be okay and then all of a sudden it's not. Um, and so that we shouldn't just feel that we're okay at, at, at this period. Um, you know, Jeremy Siegel interestingly mentioned that maybe uh, the fact that our financial institutions are in better shape now is a justifiable reason for low volatility right now. There aren't as many systemic risks, uh, even though we do continue to have these geopolitical headlines and beyond. So an interesting, again, divergence in the intellectual argument, um, Bob Schiller saying, you never know what's next. <laughs> Let's hear them talk about it.
2: Go ahead, Bob. <laughs> so, uh, what in you 1929,
3: think. which I mentioned, the markets weren't volatile until October. Or, or around that time. Uh, and I don't think there's any hard science that can tell us why. I tend to think of it as, um, uh, well, volatility tends to jump up when there's some unusual news regarding the stock market and a big drop in the market. And we haven't seen it. The unusual news might relate. Uh, Donald Trump is the unusual,
2: obviously, yes. that's the unusual but, you know, news. He, he, but he's, he's not gone down neg- since he's yeah. been elected. That's the, well, that's the interesting uh, yeah. thing. He's more, you know, more uncertainty.
0: So, Schiller going all the way back to 1929, I think a year that a lot of people are talking about right now is 1999. And uh, Jeremy Siegel certainly, uh, he was really front and center during that time. And Did you guys get a chance to uh, delve into sort of this this last run-up and what we're all
1: kind of fearing is going to happen right now, which is a bust? Yeah. Uh, This is a big concern, um, mostly because of the high valuation of the market, but particularly the tech sector, the FANG stocks that we talk so often about. Um, Really interesting between Jeremy Siegel and, and Bob Schiller was, their view on how much optimism there is in the market right now and what that means for stocks going forward.
3: Well, the, uh, the question is whether these tech stocks could decline suddenly. And I don't see any reason to expect that right now. I think that we're living in a time of fear about technology. People are being replaced by computers. Mm-hmm. Man, does everybody know that. And so that creates a a demand for investments of any sort. But I think people are especially uh, enthusiastic about modern uh, IT-type investments. And uh, I don't know that that's going to go away.
1: I have to add that after he said that, he said that we should all worry about our jobs and that I should also worry about my (laughs) job, that basically tech is disrupting so much that it, not only makes us worry about our jobs, but it also provides investment opportunities. So he's not worried about a bubble there. Even Schiller's not, but he is worried about the impact on my job. It's great to have
0: a Nobel Prize-winning <laughs> economist tell you that you need to worry about your job, yes. Nicole. I'm sure that was yes. made for a really good night's sleep yes. there. <laughs> uh, you know, Schiller. He is big into behavior of investors and the animal spirits that people exhibit either in times of boom or in times of bust, right? Like how how do people react? And you talked about climbing the the wall of worry. How does that work with animal spirits? Cuz I think of animal spirits like everyone's kind of freaking out and either running away from something or you're piling in like
1: tulip mania. But here we are, it feels different. Yeah. Here, Schiller is extremely worried about the fact that investors think the market's overvalued. Even if they think that there's more room to run, they still acknowledge that we're at high valuation levels. And this could suggest a bit of what you say are animal spirits.
0: But is that good or bad? Because, like, if you're, I feel like if you are all piling in the dot com mania, like, this can't be stopped, this is wonderful. And, and, Cab drivers and everybody's day trading, but here everybody's waiting for the shoe to drop.
1: Right. So what does that do? I mean, such a good point. And here you say exactly what Jeremy Siegel said back to you. Did really? You could be an economist. I could.
0: (laughs) I'm gonna go teach at Wharton.
1: Yes. Um, But yeah, I mean, Jeremy Siegel says, uh, you know, at least we have this acknowledgement now. It's a very different mood than we had in 99. We have this acknowledgement that some of these names are valued in an extreme way. Um, And it's not all names, by the way. So it's a certain a, a different backdrop.
0: So much talk about when this bull market is going to end. And Nicole, I've been on a number of shows with you, and you point out, you know, bull markets don't end because of old age. But there is, you know, a pattern, right? A boom bust cycle or a history in terms of also repetition of
1: recessions. Uh, and they noted that, right? Yeah, they did. Um, you know, Bob Schiller in particular pointed out the fact that we are almost 10 years since the recession. While business cycles aren't necessarily going to follow along a specific timeline, it's important to note that we've had quite a run here, that this expansionary cycle has been uh, pretty significant. You know, that being said, it's been a very slow GDP backdrop. That's something we've continued to talk about, and that's been perplexing to economists. So perhaps we have a bit more of a slow and steady type of uh, recovery that can continue longer. One thing that both economists agreed on was the importance of a global economy, not only from an investment standpoint, where many of our listeners and viewers, if you are based in the US, are probably over indexed to the US, they encourage you to look elsewhere where valuations are cheaper, but also how important it is for us to have an open global economy when it comes to trade and immigration and beyond. And uh, that's really a a strong point of agreement among these two men that have very divergent views. So given that they agree on that, uh, what do they think of President Trump? (laughs) This, uh, not surprisingly, sparked a lot of interest. Um, One thing that was very striking to me was when we think about Trump, we have to differentiate, according to Siegel and, and Schiller, Between the potential positives of the agenda, which are tax reform and deregulation, and the potential threats of the agenda, which are closed off immigration policies and a rollback in trade. Um, Siegel says the positives outweigh the risks. Um, And one of the reasons is because most people don't think that Trump's going to be able to follow through on some of his initial proposals with trade. But when I asked them about whether or not Trump can take credit for the run in the market, uh, they both had interesting views.
3: I don't think it's credit, but I think he is a factor. The Uh whole idea of the Trump world that we're moving into, it it appeals to investors. Even people who don't like Trump, they might still think, hey, it's going to help the stock market, so I'm going to invest in it.
2: Hmm. Yeah, I think a pro-business is is positive. Less regulation is positive. Uh, Hope for tax and corporate tax reform is one of the positive. So, you know, I I would say his election is responsible for certainly a, a good part of the rally, not all of the rally, but certainly a good part of the rally. Now, of course, if he doesn't bring about all this, then, you know, we could have some trouble in the future
0: interesting listening to them and talking to you and I've interviewed them both before they both I feel like another thing they have in common is they just step back and they have a lot of um, perspective on it so whether or not like oh yes I think we're going to go down or yes I think we're going to go up it's like get a 60,000 you know feet from the ground here and see that it kind of all works out in the
1: end is that fair (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you know, I think it's such an important point, Jen, because both of these uh, men have studied, uh, you know, a range of periods. They referenced 1987 a number of times, they referenced the tech bubble. Um, They can go even further back than that. Um, And again, they are thinking about investment opportunities long term and cycles long term. I do think they both acknowledge the recession that we just recently experienced as having been significant and the most significant market event that either of them had experienced in their careers and in their life, lifetimes. Um, and it's something that Jeremy Siegel in particular pointed out as something that behaviorally, so many investors are still working through. It's very uh, present in investing decisions today Um, And it's one of the reasons he's not as worried about hype right now. Uh, So I think it, it does play into both of their views. And, you know, they've studied the market over a long period of time. And like you said, can put this into context.
0: So do you know what the next Broadway play is? What are they <laughs> gonna see good, next?
1: That's a good question. Um, you know, hope, I, I was gonna say something more uplifting, but Ev- dear Evan Hansen has has a bit <laughs> <laughs> It's pretty sad. It's uh, pretty sad. So maybe
0: maybe it will be like kinky boots or something. Okay. So hopefully when they come <laughs> to town, you're gonna get
1: them. And I'm assuming their wives get along. Yeah, you know they were their wives were here. They were very nice. They uh, pre-ordered sushi for them downstairs while we were doing our podcast, so that they would make the show That's and everything nice. on time. Um, but yeah, I wonder if they saw Hamilton because you know there are a lot of economic implications of of our founding and money to states versus federal, and be interesting to see what their view is but next time you can if if they haven't
0: seen it you got to recommend it to them and then we got to get their take on it yeah
1: every time they have a Broadway show rendezvous they'll hopefully come in for a Yahoo Finance interview first and we can we can get their uh, their theater reviews in addition to their economic and market views that would be
0: fantastic and I really look forward to the next one very interesting stuff Nicole Sinclair thank you so much and thank you for listening to the Yahoo Finance podcast please don't forget to rate us review us You can also subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. See you soon.